Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first annual Blockbusties Film Award Show. Coming to you live from in front of a broken television in front of another television. Look, a talented person. Blockbuster Film School presents the first annual Blockbusties. The greatest award show in the history of humanity in which we decide which movies are worth your time. As though we have made the movies or are talented enough to make those movies. We'll judge you and yell at the screen. We've made a lot of episodes. It's time for an award show. Finally, an award show by podcasters for podcast or people. I don't know. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Blockbuster Film School. Glad to have you again. Nice to see you. I'm Alex Bonner with always and forever, Mr. Nicholas Souter. I wouldn't count on forever. Forever. Also, Super Producer Brian Tepps is here. He... <laughs> He is wearing a full football uniform. I don't know what that is about. He has a helmet, pads, it's a whole thing. It's all black, though. It's very strange. It's still on brand. It's, it's still just... on brand. It's a fashion statement. Yeah. He keeps saying. But we'll see. He's trying to pitch us his movie where Dracula is a vampire quarterback in college. He's 300 years old. He can only play the night games. <laughs> I'd watch this movie, actually. His name is Dave Dracula. <laughs> He said something, I couldn't hear him, but I'm pretty sure he said he was a murderer. His name's Tacula. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I apologize for that. All right, everyone. <laughs> Welcome in. Me and Nick have a very special episode for you, as always. Don't worry, it doesn't involve drugs or teen pregnancy like very special episodes of sitcoms in the 90s. It's much more fun. It is me and Nick here at the Blockbuster Film School. Our 2021 Blockbuster Film School wall of movies that came out in 2021 that me and Nick enjoyed greatly some of which we didn't enjoy because we still have the dumpster and then we also have movies that we missed out on that we would like to see if you want to hit us up and say if they're good or not please feel free to hit us up on the instagram it'd be lovely what are the chances that your dad's seen the movies we haven't Ooh, that's a good my dad actually watches a lot of movies okay. that i don't watch he'll always tell me about some brendan gleason movie that, <laughs> that, that makes sense is like a noir that is good but it just kind of came out. It was like an Irish national funded movie or something. Yeah, he, uh, he sent us several messages on Instagram <laughs> demanding a new episode. <laughs> I get it. At one point, he goes, just have Brian piece together all the outtakes <laughs> and make up a new show. I'm like, I'm not answering this because I don't know if he's serious or not. <laughs> he is a super fan who will yell at us. He is texting me every day, death threats, weird gifts. So, it has nothing to do with us, though. No, it doesn't. No, it has nothing to do. It has to do with my crimes. So we're going to get going here. Uh, I think we're going to do our top five movies. So, Nick, just in no particular order, just five movies. You can't say top five and tell me no particular order. All right, well, then let's do it. Let's do particular order. All right. Number five is... Part of my favorite new genre. Mm. It's been around forever, but it's getting even more popular now. It is the cinematic panic attack film. <laughs> my favorite thing. Did the Safety brothers make a movie this year? They did not. <laughs> but uh, Shiva Baby Ooh. is spectacular. This woman goes to a Shiva for a person who just died. And everyone she doesn't want to see is all up in her shit, <laughs> including her sugar daddy. Also, her parents are there and her ex-girlfriend are there. And the sugar daddy's oh boy. wife and kid are there. It's shot almost in real fucking time. <laughs> it is like the difference between comedy and horror is timing. Yes. This movie is a comedy and then switches to a horror film, and then goes back. It's a perfect balance. And all it is is just, you've been around your family. You've been to funerals. <laughs> you have. What if you add in the dude you're fucking and your ex-girlfriend and their baby? It's insane. <laughs> there are moments in this that are, like, poetically beautiful. Okay. You watch these two people have this moment outside where they're smoking a cigarette, and you're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And it gives you hope. And then at the same time, you jump back on your fucking heels. You're like, wait a minute. What's going to happen? What's Look out. Look behind you. And it's like it's the middle of the day. But you're so fucking freaked out because of the goddamn 90 minutes of panic. And considering how bad my anxiety is, 
I had panic attacks for a decade. Okay. For some reason, watching this shit is so entertaining that it's happening to somebody else. <laughs> I love that you love the panic attack genre. Yeah, it's my favorite genre. I, I don't know what it is. I, I watch all of them, but then I say to myself, I liked Uncut Gems a lot. Yeah. I liked Good Time a lot. I don't really ever want to see this movie ever see, again. That's weird, because I have those two and this on Blu-ray. That's fair. I mean, I get it. Like, they're great movies. It's just something about... Just never-ending anxiety just begins to oh, it's the best, freak right? Me out. Oh, it's I, so good. I'm too much of an escapist. Can't I, take. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I have not seen Sitting Shiva yet. Shiva baby. Shiva baby. Yes, that's what it's called. All right, so maybe I'll put that in my mist that I want to watch. No, so. it's mine. <laughs> Only I may see. This. Only I. <laughs> hey, Alex. Yeah, man. What's your number five? My number five is Edgar Wright returning back to making weirder movies rather than more baby driver was kind of more of a Hollywood sheen, him trying to do something a little different, a little more classic Hollywood. And he made a movie called last night in Soho, which has a whole bunch of interesting acting choices. It has the queen's gambit in it. It has, (laughs) I think several doctor who's and it's a very interesting ghost movie about, losing your mind and about how as times are different, even though they are still the same. I know that's the stupidest thing I could say, but it's well executed for a ghost movie because it's about the idea of who are you really? And what are you doing with your life? What are you doing? Who are you? Are you failing at your life? Yes, you are. That's the correct answer. And ghosts, there's a lot of ghost stabbings. There's a lot of ghost hairdos. Did you see last night in Soho? I have not yet. Ah, I'd be interested to get it was the tickets. first Edgar Wright movie I didn't see opening weekend in theaters. Interesting. I also didn't. I saw it when it came out. Yeah. I rented it from Blockbuster. I found my card. But it's interesting. I didn't find it scary, which is my only kind of complaint about it. I thought it was pretty tame. I don't expect it when I watch it to be actually scary. No, that's true. Yeah, I mean. It's him doing more of a true old school, I'd say kind of 80s supernatural thriller. It's not really a comedy. It doesn't have that Cornetto trilogy kind of thing. It's truly more of a thriller. It reminds me more of movies like What Lies Beneath kind of thing and movies like that. Yeah, that's not 80s. I know. I well, it look, To me, it looks like a De Palma movie. Is that anywhere near? Little, he definitely is. And Hitchcock. There's some Hitchcock to it. Yeah, I guess I'd say more kind of 90s supernatural. I'm sorry, I misspoke with the 80s, but 90s supernatural, you know. You know what Lies Beneath came out in 2011? Did it? Oh, shit. What's a good Bill Paxton one where he's the crazy? Apollo 11. <laughs> yeah, so it's that, which is a good thriller. It's a good ghost thriller. Frailty. Frailty. It's got that kind of vibe where you're not entirely sure what's happening, but it's set in London in now and in the 60s. And the worlds are intermingled. Some people are still around, but because they're older, who are they? They're played by different actors. So it's an interesting way of doing a psychedelic horror thriller. But yes. So on that, Nick, what's your number four on your list? My number four is the James Gunn masterpiece, The Suicide Squad. Great. (laughs) I was excited to see it. I love James Gunn. Mm. The actual conversation I had with my mom when I was at my parents' house and she was like, there was a commercial for Suicide Squad, Ugh. the Will Smith one. And she goes, did you see that? I go, so yeah. yeah. She goes, how bad was it? I go, like, you ever watch like a porno and feel bad for the actors? She goes, can't be that bad. I'm like, it's worse. <laughs> it's it worse is. than that. This is the complete opposite. This movie is so fucking good. I cared what happened to the guy who was from RoboCop Reboot. Yes. It's that fucking good. In the same way Dune was so good, I cared about Jason Momoa. That's a feat. Me caring about this dipshit? Yeah. That's a bigger achievement. I gave a shit about Rick Flagg. <laughs> I don't know his actual name. It's like Joel Esterhaus or something. I think it's something like that. No, it's, that's the guy who wrote Basic Instinct. But <laughs> this movie is hilarious. It's got a lot of heart. The action sequences are amazing. It's Guardians of the Galaxy, but with a bunch of fucking crazy murderers. Yeah, hyper there's a Yeah, there's a scene where Idris Elba, who's amazing, yes. love Idris, he should be the next James Bond, and John Cena basically 
have a dick measuring contest where they just walk around silently murdering an entire village. Also, they actually shoot off a couple dicks. They really do. They really do. Also, the sequence in which they shoot at each other and the bullet goes through the other bullet. Yeah. And spoiler alert, John Cena gets shot in the neck. And as he's shot in the neck, goes, how did you do that? And he goes, smaller bullets. And Cena literally, as he's bleeding out, goes, okay. And then each moment builds crazier and crazier. Yeah. Just when you think it can't get crazier, it gets crazier. Just when you think that, like, the creator of what we do in the shadows and one of the great directors running around who just won a best original screenplay Oscar that Tika Watiti is not going to be in this. He's in it. I know you're still surprised about that, but his name's in the beginning. I know, but just in this way where so many different cameos from amazing actors, Sylvester Stallone is a giant shark. Hands. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Everything about this movie, all James Gunn's movies, they got a lot of fucking heart. Yeah. And you care about all these people and it's the suicide squad. It's so, you know, squad. most of them are going to fucking die. That I like too. And like- it has a very satisfying, slightly happy ending. The fucking thing is they've earned that ending. Yeah. And Margot Robbie is so fucking good in this. Agreed. I do not like her as Harley Quinn in suicide squad. I right. didn't see birds of prey, but in this, she was fucking a revelation. She was so Fucking good. It's almost and like the scene where she writers. busts out of the prison <laughs> yeah. and just fucking murders everybody in 30 different ways while I'm just a gigolo by Louis Prima plays. I know. And it's amazing. And she lives in a fantasy world. Yeah. In which, all these, yeah, this weird animation just stuff. Flowers popping out of nowhere while she's murdering everybody. Everything has all these great gags, all these great character actors. It's, a, yeah, I agree with you. Suicide yeah. Squad is amazing. Also, spoiler alert. It opens with another Suicide Squad that doesn't make it. It's one of the best misdirections of all time. Not only that, Pete Davidson gets shot in the fucking face. (laughs) In like the first first 10 minutes of the movie. James Gunn knows what audiences want. That is true. And they just wanted a really fucking good movie. And And even that, like the prologue has a twist. The first act has a twist. The second act, and all of them are interesting twists. And all of them work as a piece it escalates. That's what comic book movies yeah. are supposed to be. And also, as much as I liked Margot Robbie, I have never really said to myself, like, I've never hated him or anything, but I've never said to myself, like, man, I really like John Cena in this movie. Him as Peacemaker and then that character and then going into the show now, it's amazing. Yeah. I, it's blowing my mind how much I've changed my mind about John Cena just based on this one movie and TV show and this character. Like, My mind has not changed I need more evidence. I really like him as Peacemaker. And the crazy bit is because his character changes so much in the show, he gets more depth. Mm. The movie is better because you know how much he's like holding back basically (laughs) of what he could be an actual person instead of, you know, the guy who's willing to swallow every dick on the beach. (laughs) He's willing to kill every man, woman and child for peace. Yeah. What a joke. (laughs) Also, that dude who played Flag and RoboCop, his name is Joel Kinnaman. Joel Kinnaman. Yes. They go in, they kill everybody in that little village, and it turns out those are the rebels, and they (laughs) fucked up, and they're talking to the rebel leader, and she's just like, what is with them? And he goes, they're fucking idiots. (laughs) And it's hilarious. Yes. I agree. Yeah, the Polka Dot Man. Polka Dot Man's, he's so great. But something else. All right, well- We'll keep it going. Also, Neil Blomkamp directed that RoboCop reboot. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking terrible. Bizarre. All right. So my number four, I'll stick with a comic book movie I liked. I actually thought this was a very down year for the MCU personally, but the big shining light for me that still felt like the really cool MCU was Shang-Chi and the seven circles. You didn't direct it. He didn't. Oh, he's directing. They're going to make another one that he's attached to. Sorry, that's what it is. I apologize. What's wrong with everybody? I don't know. Hey, man, we can't come up with a new idea, Nick. We just have to vulture the culture that once existed until it is gone. Until it is gone. Why don't they just make the opposite of it and make Cop Robo, where it's about a fucking laptop that they infuse with flesh. I'm fine with that. And it turns into an. It just. 
starts having all these anxiety attacks and doesn't know what I don't he wants. Yeah, it's what we were talking about with like West Side Story. It's like, why don't you just make a new movie okay, yeah. that's kind of an homage I'm fine with? Yeah. He's saying this is a story that works. This is a genre that works. But to reboot it, I think sometimes that blows up in their face too. And I don't think they register that. But because things like Avengers make a ton of money. But Avengers is also new. And Spider-Man. But these are transcendent cultural characters. I don't know. RoboCop is such a rare piece of art. Sorry to go on it. You know, the Paul Verhoeven, that's such a rare, beautiful, insane piece of art that came together. We watched RoboCop 2 the other night. It's not great. Oh, it's terrible. (laughs) That felt like four days. It was rough. And we like a lot of people in that movie. We like everybody in that movie. I know. So I'm saying Shang-Chi, which we watched together. Yeah. Turns out it's an Aquafina vehicle. If people don't know Thank this, God. it is an Aquafina comedy action vehicle. My good friend. For real. And we used to talk to each other on Snapchat. Really? Yeah. She sent me a sticker and a hat. <gasps> She's not is on she a- your girlfriend? No. Is Aquafina your girlfriend? Are you Legally, lying? I'm not allowed to say that. Okay. Also, illegally, I'm not allowed to say that. And he just held aspects. up a sign that said, yes, she is. Aquafina is Nick Souter's girlfriend. We're just saying this on the internet right now. Yeah. Also, she hasn't had a Snapchat in eight years, so I really have no way of contacting Because all the nudes she sent you? There were nudes of somebody else, though. They weren't her. <laughs> I don't know. I thought Shang-Chi was very surprising to me because a lot of the MCU stuff has been pretty bland lately, in my opinion. I thought it's all kind of paint-by-numbers and has been disappointing after Endgame. And this was... Something different. It was a different kind of storyline. It was a different kind of movie. It was a buddy comedy that involved crazy psychedelic action and bizarre magic sequences. And it's a story about if your dad is a supervillain <laughs> and just different kinds of storytelling that I don't normally see out of the MCU. And the writing was good and it worked well. And I don't know. What did you think of Shang-Chi, Nick? I'm not going to lie. Mm. I totally forgot about that movie. Okay. But we were watching it. I had yeah. fun. You know, I'm obviously still in love with Aquafina, even though she does sure. not love me anymore. But um, the lead actor, dude, he was pretty good. He definitely had that Luke Skywalker, plain Jane, no, like, real personality thing going on. <laughs> but everyone else was fucking great. The fucking actor who played his sister was amazing. That's true. And then also Ben Kingsley's in this. Also, his name is Simu Liu. Yes. Tony Leung Chihuahua, I like a lot, actually. Yeah, Ben Kingsley, and yes, agreed. Yeah, the supervillain dad was really good in this, too. Yes. Like, the entire that's, sequence. Yeah, that's Tony Leung. Yeah. Yeah. The entire sequence in the beginning where it's the flashback of, like, the mom and the dad, like, going all fucking hidden dragon on each other. Yes. In the forest. That was amazing. It's amazing. It's the weirdest foreplay I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Where it's just like, hey, I can cut your head off whenever I want. You want to get married? <laughs> It's like, yeah, sure. It's actually saying it out loud. It makes total sense. It really does. And I liked that there's all this kind of will they, won't they sort of 90s comedy (laughs) sexual tension nonsense. But then there's crazy kung fu magic action sequences. People getting thrown like out of buildings. It's wild. Oh, yeah. Benedict Wong's in it. He's great. He's not in it very much. Wong is kind of like the character that seems to be connecting all of the pieces together a little bit, but I have some takes on the MCU. We can talk about some other time, but this one I thought was really awesome. And I hope this kind of is more what they're leading towards of movies that came out this year that were, you know, kind of classic Hollywood action movies. There was a lot, you know, there was actually some stuff that was really great and it kind of overshadowed the MCU a lot, you know? And Dustin Daniel Cretton, who directed this, I've not really seen any of his other movies. You know what I'm saying? Like, he directed Just Mercy. Just Mercy was actually really good. I did see that. But he's directed a lot more of, like, movies that are more heartfelt, Oscar-y. I mean, Just Mercy is about racial injustice in America. It's not typically where you'd go, this guy's going to direct action movies now. Well, I mean, that's the thing now. You make low-budget movie, you make your passion project, yes, and then you make your $200 million dragon coming out of a mountain mm-hmm. to fight a bunch of smaller dragons while Aquafina is hanging on by the tail movie. This shit is crazy. That end sequence where there's a straight-up dragon fight is wild. 
But yeah, that's my number four. Nick, why don't we move on so we don't stay too long? We'll kind of keep talking about these movies as we go. We'll, Are we only on four? I think we might start overlapping here is my guess. But what's your number three? Because your number one is Mortal Kombat, right? Could you could you let me fucking say it? <laughs> All right? This is why you and I don't record from the same room anymore. <laughs> We're like right. the guys from The Who. Oh, yeah. Just so you guys know, I am in Paris, Texas right now. I'm recording from a bunker. Yeah. yeah. And I'm in Texas, France. <laughs> my number three is Come On, Come On. We got Joaquin Phoenix, Gabby Hoffman, Scoot McNary. Oh, I love Scoot. And then this new kid, Woody Norman. Ooh. Directed by Mike Mills. Basically, the real spoiler here is after this movie was over, I had a complete emotional breakdown in the bathroom at the Logan Theater <laughs> and then sort of walked home. And so I was like, all right, I'm good. And then call the lift. So be in a right <laughs> state of mind when you watch this movie. Your love of this, movies that emotionally no, 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 destroy no, no. you. I, this is a different type of thing. This is not a panic attack. That's fair. This is a existential mental health film. Mm. Joaquin Phoenix is a journalist for basically NPR. He's going around doing these stories about what young people think about the future and what they think about the present, how they view parents. Hmm. And at least for me, they said things that I connected with because we're on a planet slowly plunging into chaos. And Things are going great. So yeah, sure. So Smooth sailing. Everything that these kids mention are basically things that older generations didn't finish. And that's what this movie's about because Gabby Hoffman is married to Scoot McNary. And I love both of them. They're so good in this. Yeah. Scoot's not into that much. Gabby Hoffman is a goddamn delight. She has to go take care of him because he's having a mental health break. So Joaquin Phoenix takes care of his nephew who he hasn't seen in a year mm. and taking care of somebody who has severe mental health problems does not fit anyone's schedule. So what happens is Joaquin takes the kid to New York so he can keep working and then they go to New Orleans. So it's like a weird. So they go to Las Vegas so he can count cards. He figures out that. <laughs> Sorry. That's a different movie about a, a brother totally with different mental different health movie. problems. Yeah. Well, those are brothers. This is a nephew. Okay. So basically you have these two characters on the road together who don't know each other and are bonding over being fucked up. There's literally a scene where they're just screaming at each other, this is so fucked up, and it's so fucked up, it makes sense. Also, this is, like, this is half a comedy. I'm not really selling the comedy here. <laughs> well, I will say that probably in comedies with an insanely well-written heart to them are some of the more affecting movies in my entire life. Yeah. Because they lure you in with the comedy, and then they, you know, punch they you. just punch you over yeah. and over again. Because you become so this, attached to the characters, because you that, laugh, like... You love them. You, yeah. If someone can make you laugh, it's very easy. It's how weird look dudes like us get laid. You know, it's like if you can be amusing and as characters, it connects you to them so deeply. And then if something tragic happens or it's yeah. much more powerful. That, that little fucking kid broke my heart a thousand times. Yeah. It was amazing. This movie is a joy. Mm. I just recommend if you are seeing it a few days after your friend dies Maybe wait to watch Maybe it. Maybe wait. This movie is like doing mushrooms. Do it when you're in a good place. Mm. But I highly recommend doing it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I haven't watched it yet, but I really like Joaquin a lot. And yeah, I like Joaquin. Mike, Mike Mills a lot. So that was one that was, it wasn't in the theaters for very long. So I'm waiting for when it comes out on, you know, HBO Max or whatever it will come out. It's released soon, I hope. So I'm into it. Any other thoughts on Come On, Come On? I love Joaquin Phoenix. My bucket list is pretty much just being stoned at a party and Joaquin Phoenix shows up. I don't actually <laughs> I think have this to, is an attainable goal. This is a very <laughs> attainable goal. I don't want to talk to him. I just want to be like, hey, I'm, I'm really high. Is that Joaquin Phoenix? It is? Okay, cool. Uh, this movie enforced this even more because after that Joker movie, it was like, uh, I might leave the party, but now I'm going to stay at the party. <laughs> because of Joker? I fucking hated that movie. Yeah, I know, I know. I didn't hate it, but I didn't loud it as much as everybody did. If you want to talk about a movie that seemed like it was just about kind of how sad and weird mental illnesses, I've yeah. sort of. And he's done better mental illnesses movies before that. That is fair. That just felt like a weird combination of two of his other films. Yeah. You know. 
All right, I will do mine. What's your number three? Thanks, Nick. That's very kind of you. I appreciate it. Thank you for asking. I'm going to say that my number three, it is The Green Knight, which I saw in theaters, and it kind of blew my mind apart. It is a David Lowry film, and Dev Patel, who I like a lot, and Joel Edgerton, some actors I'd never seen, Alicia Vikander, who I liked a lot. She was in uh, Ex Machina. She was the robot. Yes, that's right. That's right. Also in Ex Machina, if you've never seen that. Sarita Chowdhury, who I like a lot. And, God, what is his name? The guy from Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, the weirdo. Yes. Spaghetti uh, Man. <laughs> I adore him in this movie. I'm looking it up right now. Barry Keoghan. Barry Keoghan. Keoghan. I bet you it's Irish. Keoghan. He's amazing in it. It's such a different type of movie. It is not a movie you've ever seen before. If you're going to watch this movie, I understand people have said things like they don't like it, but I wonder if you're just watching it in your living room while you're playing on your laptop and your dog is there and you're watching it on a well-lit screen and you're barely paying attention to it, it's not going to have the same effect. When I saw it in the theater and it was dark and it was loud and every single line just sort of blew itself into your mind and you couldn't turn away. It is truly a movie where you are in another dimension. You are in another place. This is not like your reality. It is something else. The writing is wildly cool. And it's based on one of the oldest pieces of writing we have in Western history. And the story of it is not your typical action movie. It feels like Dungeons and Dragons or something in truly that it comes to life and you're on a quest and you are there now and you have to say the right thing and pick the right thing and choose the correct path. It's such a wild idea for a movie. The Green Knight is very precise and very introspective. And the character, Dev Patel's character, you begin to care about him in a way that, at least for me, it's almost like an avatar. You begin to it becomes you and it becomes your own sort of choices in life and your own ways you think about the world. And I found it fascinating. what did you think of the green Knight, Nick? So I'm going to skip ahead. My number two is the green Knight. <laughs> That's fair. I love this movie. It's kind of perfect. It's not an action movie at all. There's a beheading and then that's it. And there's like a, not like a mugging tr- scene. There's no action in it. It is a quest. There's a robbery, and there's a ghost, and there's an escape. Like, ghost doesn't make it an action film. It's an adventure film. An adventure film. Yeah, yeah. Fair, you, fair. you can't, just calling something an action film kind of takes away from it. That is fair. That's all I'm trying to say. This I is agree. an adventure film. This is a person trying to find out if he really believes in what he's selling. He has to make the choice, and... David Lowry has endings. He, he has does. a very particular ending. It's always a bizarre montage <laughs> where things are going by rapidly and things are happening. It's all about time. That's all of his movies, especially a ghost story in this. They're both just sort of rambling open time pieces. Mm. You don't know how long he's gone on this trip. He doesn't know how long he's gone. Mm. Everyone's telling him he has to be there at this point. Every stop along the way is a distraction. He has to stay his course and he has to get here by this certain time. And he has no idea what's going on. And the more he goes, the more he believes in it. And then he really has to suck it up and decide, am I the person I want to be? Or am I the person I want to tell people who I am? Mm -hmm. And then you get to this montage and you have all this ending is the most David Lowry thing. And it's fucking gorgeous and amazing. The ending is perfect. I saw it in theater as well. We recorded an episode right after I saw it. I came in, I was fucking movie high. Mm. It was the most stoned I've been without taking drugs while recording. Yeah. I was so up. I wanted to fucking just like fight people. It made me feel so good. It truly was one of those ones where when I saw it in the theater and the second that head lights on fire and that voice starts, the rhyme actually works and it's from the past. Some of this writing is from thousands of years ago and it just, also that it's a story, like you said, that isn't a story that is usually told in our culture. It doesn't necessarily have this point goes to this point goes to this point and it's about taking responsibility for yourself 
and to thine own self be true. It is something wild. I felt the same way when I came out of seeing it in the theater. And then I will admit, I watched it on HBO Max and I still really liked it. But in that same way, I did say to myself as I was watching it, I was like, man, you really got to sit down and watch this movie. It's the only cachet I have. You know what I mean? It's not a movie you could just kind of like passingly watch and it's fun. Like the Suicide Squad, you know, where it's going to catch you and just, holy shit, what's happening? Like, you got to pay attention a little bit. The writing is so good and precise. I don't want to call you out. I do usually just watch the movies. I realize you are multitasking Mm -hmm. nonstop while you're watching movies when you're alone. Yes, my brain does not stop. Yeah. If it's, for instance, though, but if it's a movie I really, really want to see, I'll go see it in the theater because I know that that's going to force me to lose my reality and live in their reality. And I like that. And that's what I like about going to see the movie in the theater. I think it's a great testament to films that I am watching while I'm multitasking and I stop doing all my other stuff and just watch the movie and it just takes over my brain. I think there's a great power in that as well, like a litmus test kind of. But... I appreciate that you actually just watch stuff. Yeah. And And when we watch movies, the hardest part about watching the movie is I enjoy this. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we always keep talking, but at certain points, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, could you shut the fuck up? Hold on a second. (laughs) Okay, okay, what? (laughs) I appreciate that. Well, as Nick said, The Green Knight is his number two, and I agree with that entirely. As I said, it was my number three, but it's only because there are two other films that I found transcendently good and defeated that movie, which in a lot of years I would put as my number one. As weird and terrible it has been in a lot of ways, I thought that 2021 had some really great movies that came out. This list is kind of hard for me a little bit, but my number two is an instant classic from one of the great directors in the history of the world, Mr. Paul Thomas Anderson. It is Licorice Pizza. Nick managed to score us preview tickets at the music box. So it did have a little cachet. I will say it's one of the best movie going experiences I've ever had. The music box had an organist play before the film came. It was a packed house. It was nice to see people again. They had just put up all their Christmas decorations. Yeah, God, it was so cool. So we came in with all the lights off already and the Christmas lights on. It was awesome. It really was. And then it was on 70 fucking millimeters. It was, it was amazing. It's an amazing film. Licorice pizza PT is so great at naturalistic lighting and I mean, Cooper Hoffman and the Hames, just the Haim family. What the fuck? (laughs) The entire Haim family. Obviously, Alana is transcendently good. Bradley Cooper, you sometimes forget how great a character actor he can be. Don't like Bradley Cooper other than Guardians of the Galaxy. And he is so fucking good in this. Yes. That I almost wanted to go watch more Bradley Cooper movies. But instead, I just watched Gardens of the Galaxy 2. You know, Sean Penn. I mean, it truly was the past. I know they make movies about periods, but it was the past. He does this shit sometimes. It's, very, it's completely immersive. It's, you get <sighs> lost. You have no idea. And then you just want to smoke cigarettes and drink during the day. And have a waterbed? No. I at least want to lay on a waterbed. Just because. <laughs> I didn't necessarily want to own one, but I wanted to. Because of that movie, I was like. I had forgotten the idea of waterbeds had been escaped from my mind. Here, Okay. I don't want to go off on a tangent. But okay. Like, and this is not me shaming myself. This sure. is just a fact. Sure. I weigh a lot. And then during the summer, I went and stayed in New York at a friend's place and stayed on an air mattress that was like a good foot, like 15, 16 inches off the ground. Very big. Yeah. And I immediately just... Could not stop rolling around on it because I just kept sinking in. So I had flashbacks of that watching the waterbed stuff in licorice pizza. So I don't want to go fucking near a waterbed ever. I feel like the air mattress is a little different than the waterbed, but I understand what you're saying. But I need sturdy ground. They're also terrible for you. They're terrible yeah. for your back, but they're literally fun to lay on for like 10 minutes. We're like, oh, oh, oh. it's like being in the ball pit or something when you're a kid it's fun and then a minute you're like i gotta get out of here i got seasick when mario went underwater to fight in the mario brothers (laughs) i can't handle that's fully understandable yeah i get it but licorice pizza is not just about waterbeds it's also we talked about a little bit it's maybe 
PT's best just straight up comedy. It is It's the funniest movie's ever made. It's, it's absolutely the funniest movie's ever made. It's also the least threatening to any yeah. of the characters in it. Yeah. It's not like his normal dark shit. There's the darkness in it, but like it's a non-threatening darkness. Mm-hmm. It is I think you said it afterwards. Like it's close as he will ever come to making a coming of age movie. It absolutely is. And also just a true romance. I mean, it's a teen romance, but it's well, the only one of the team. <laughs> oh, that's true. But it's yeah. about being young and seeing the world as you have never seen it because you've met someone who's interesting. It's such a pure, fascinating story that has, but also because his PT has some wildly exciting stuff. There's oh, yeah. a part where a truck is going backwards down the hill in the San Fernando Valley that's in the middle of the night that's wildly fat, like is an amazing action sequence just within this movie that is not at all an action movie, but because it's there's motorcycle stunts. I mean, <laughs> there's crazy stuff in it. And it's an interesting love letter to the seventies. It's an interesting love letter to Southern California. And apparently if you lose one Hoffman, you just gain another one. You just absorb one. It's like when a worm gets cut in half. Mm-hmm. Actually, cut that out. That's terrible. No, that's what, <laughs> you know how like worms are when you cut them in half and they just become Cooper Hoffman. But Cooper Hoffman was great at it. Yeah, everyone's great in this movie. Yeah, it really nobody is. there. Are, there is oh. a softy brother in this. Yes, and he's amazing. He's amazing. A lot of Haim. All the Hames are amazing. Skylar Gazzando. Skylar Gazzando, <laughs> once again with his weird Spanish <laughs> speaking, is amazing in this. He got a pop when he showed up on screen. He showed up on screen and people laughed yeah. and were like instantly just yeah. because he exists. If you don't know who Skylar Gazando is, he's Gideon on the Righteous Gemstones and was on Santa Clarita Diet. And I'm a big fan of Skylar Gazando. Yeah. Oh, uh, Booksmart. There we go. Yeah. Yes. But one of my favorite young comedic actors. He's great. This movie is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The music is amazing. Also, P.T. did the cinematography with another person. Yeah. That's a crazy bit. For Phantom Thread, nobody was listed as cinematographer because he just set up the shots and then have the people do the lenses. He's like, I'm not going to take it. This time around, he's willing to co-own it. Yeah. This movie is... It has a very specific look, too. It's like the 70s naturalistic movies. It's like the 70s naturalistic comedies. We were talking about Bad News Bears and stuff. It truly has that look. Yeah. And just to be able to pull that off now... 40 years later from that moment of cinema to create it truly people make fake VHS movies. They don't look really like VHS. You know what I'm saying? They look like digital versions of them or something. This is real. Yeah. This is, it's an outstanding achievement. I don't think it gets anywhere near, it gets great critical praise, but it's mind boggling how good it is. And it's still my number two this year. I said this for years. My favorite PT Anderson movie was always the last one he put out. Yeah. I stopped saying that for Phantom Thread because I was like, Inherent Vice is better. Agreed. This is my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie at this moment. It's amazing. I still. Also, it's fucking absurdly hopeful. Yeah. It I is love that. truly blindly optimistic. It's something I like about PT. I think that's an He's such an aware filmmaker where. It's like when the world becomes docile, he makes his darker movies. And as the world becomes in flux and in danger and full of anxiety, he begins to decide to make something more hopeful. He's truly – we don't deserve him, but that's my number two. You've said you're number two. I think – We got to switch things up. We got to switch it up a little bit. We're doing something a little different this time. Yeah. Before we do the number one, we're going to have our Black Wizard Film School dumpster pick for 2021. And Nick, would you like to tell us what your dumpster pick is for 2021? No, I don't want to. I'm gonna. You're going to, though. I I will, because I'm on the show. That's correct. I don't want to, because I'm fucking pissed. This movie (laughs) is so fucking terrible. Mm. This movie is so bad that halfway through, I canceled my Peacock subscription. I only got <laughs> it so I could watch this fucking thing. I went for the no ads. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> All right? Listen, Brian, you know, we're better than you. My whole income is disposable because I don't care what happens to me. Um, That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. That's on his business card. <laughs> yeah. Hire me or don't, whatever. Marry me. My dumpster pick is Halloween Kills. 
Oh. Which is so upsetting because on many levels, I really liked the Halloween 2018. Yeah, I really like David Gordon Green. I do too. And Danny McBride. Agreed. And Jamie Lee Curtis and Judy Greer. All this movie has ever this. Ah, uh, it should work. Fuck, I am so upset. Still, <laughs> this is the most boring, bland, oddly MAGA fucking oh, Halloween movie. Unintentionally, they did not know what they were doing. 2018 reboot. Loved it. It was a whole movie about trauma. Everything that happened made sense. I was good to you. Sorry. <laughs> and then the whole thing was it proved that Michael Myers was just a killing monster. He wasn't going mm-hmm. after Jamie Lee Curtis. He just wound up back at her house because of circumstance. Mm. So Halloween 78, 40 years later, they have 2018 Halloween. Mm. So technically, that's Halloween 2. Halloween Kills is Halloween 3. <laughs> Halloween, Halloween, Halloween 4 was Halloween 2. So this is a remake of Halloween 2, but it's Halloween 3. But it also, it's an actual remake of Halloween 2 because it takes place in a fucking hospital the whole time, immediately after the original Halloween ends. Everyone, if anyone who Nick, has seen... Nick has taken his shirt off. <laughs> if anyone's seen Halloween 2, they know that movie is fucking terrible. Why remake Halloween 2 as Halloween 3 if you've seen Halloween 2? It makes no sense. Especially because you're right. I like David Gordon Green a lot, and I like his crew. Exactly. But here's the thing. I don't get This it. is what it comes down to. Yeah. This is my fault. Mm. Because I was hoping it was going to be good. Here's the thing. They have never made two good Halloween films in a row. That's correct. And as much as I love David Gordon Green, he's only made two good films in a row. He'll make George some- Washington and All the Real Girls? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'll, I'll give him Undertow. Okay. Yeah, but then after that- Pineapple Express. Before that and after that, he made shit. It's kind of true. And Until then, The Righteous Gemstones. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. His TV work yeah. with uh, Jody Hill and Danny McBride- consistently great. I think because having Jody Hill is a big factor. Yeah. Well, I mean, Danny McBride re- co-wrote both of these films with him. Yeah. But that's the thing is he cannot make two good films in a row. Mm. He can make three bad films in a row. Yeah. Like, I don't care about old Al Pacino. I don't care mm. about Sandra Bullock doing whatever she did in that movie. I didn't see it. I don't care about Prince Avalanche. <laughs> but we did two parts on John Carpenter. I care about how I've, I know I've, you do. Also, it's your Star Wars. It's your franchise it is, that you get obsessed with. It is, and it's so with. sad like, because there's only fucking two good movies out of the 15 they fucking made. At least you have- Don't bring up have, three. We have friends of ours who get mad if you don't- I'm counting that. I know. That's the two. The original and Halloween 3. But you said you liked the first David Gordon Green one. Yeah. It was my Star Wars before that. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. My copy of Halloween 4 is sitting to the left of me on VHS. We watched 5. It was very funny. <laughs> no, we watched 4. We watched We four. didn't make it through 5. That's right. But I've watched 5 since then, and I've watched 4 twice since then. I have a problem. <laughs> I have the soundtrack. I have the producer's cut to Halloween 6. I'm a real man. Nobody cares about any of these fucking movies. Look, all I'm saying is maybe I'll rewatch it. But Halloween Kills, <laughs> no, fuck that movie. It's, it that got movie's panned. terrible. It got panned. Yeah. It, as you said, though, there's a fundamental problem. Unless you have an actual idea for the story getting bigger, sometimes you make a movie and you have lots of ideas. I'm sure David Gordon Green and Danny McBride were running around for years of how they would make a Halloween movie. They had tons of cool ideas. They put them all into one movie. It was a success. And then Hollywood said, turn around and make another one. And they went, oh, shit. And here's the thing. Oh, shit. People, uh, it came out before Halloween. People were wanted a scary movie. They wanted to go see things. It made over $100 million. Yeah. It made a fuck ton of money. Yeah. And they already greenlit the third one because it's a trilogy. Yeah. It's called Halloween Ends. And guess what? I'm going to see it in fucking theaters the day <laughs> it comes out. Of course. I've seen every stupid Star Wars movie. I saw episode two twice in the theater in that same sort of thing where I said to myself, it can't, it can't be that bad. It can't. I'm wrong. I'm stupid. (laughs) You know, the fucked up part is I got Peacock premium. So you watch it Mm -hmm. because my mom saw 2018 in theaters. She saw the original in theaters. Every year we watch Halloween ever since I got Halloween 2018 on Blu-ray because I compulsively buy these movies when they're on sale. (laughs) I might have two copies. We watched that too. You're propelling this. 
I I know I'm wrong. <laughs> I just can't help it. I understand. The day it came out on Peacock, watched it. The next day, went to my parents' house, watched it the next day. I watched it twice in less than 24 hours. As we're starting it, my mom goes, did you see this? I go, yeah. She goes, how is it? I was like, oh, it's fucking terrible. She's like, I don't want it. I'm like, no, just watch. Just watch. And I started watching it. I was like, okay. I was like, I remember this. I remember liking this. This part's pretty good. And then I got to the end of that part and I go, Oh, wait, here it is. There it is. That sinking feeling. Oh, God. Yep. And then it was another 80 minutes. Holy shit. <laughs> At least it's not that long. At least it's not like three hours long. Like, oh. All right. I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm going to do my. No, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't. I. You're getting visibly upset. I have two, but don't look up the Adam McKay movie. I understand that the world has become vapid and stupid. I'm aware of this, right? As is everyone. And what upset me more was not so much that it was a bland, stupid movie that beats you over the head worse than Oliver Stone. Wow. But that there were a lot of people who, A, said it was good, and that they kept saying, it's a satire, it's a satire. And I said to myself, I understand in a way that Adam McKay thinks that this is a satire, but the problem is, it's not funny. It's not louding these things, really. It's just how shitty the world is. That's it. And it's showing it to you from this perspective of Hollywood royalty being like, did you guys know the world sucks? It's like, yeah, motherfucker, we know. Is it just getting to your bubble now? Are you guys just registering it? The fuck are you talking about? And I watched it with my mom and literally we said to each other, we're like, is this like, the unfunniest movie you've ever seen that is apparently trying to be funny. And it has DiCaprio, who is truly, in my mind, one of the funniest actors who's ever existed in the history of time. And a bunch of other great people who are super funny in lots of other stuff. And it just is brutal in its execution. And I think Adam McKay thinks he's some sort of fucking genius because he made a shitty movie one time, a bunch of douchebags who like bet on the American economy collapsing and they were heroes or something. And ever since then, he's been making these God awful, you know, Oh, did you guys know that people wouldn't even care if a comet hit the earth? Like, yeah, bro, I get it, man. It sucks. All right. I get it, but make it funny. Make it actually amusing. Dr. Strangelove works because it is funny. That's the first part. It's actually funny. There's no fighting in the war room. There's no <laughs> a, a secret Nazi can't. He has to keep himself from Zig Eiling. Yes. A man rides an atomic bomb at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert. It's bizarre and hilarious and reflects the insanity of the time. The problem is I just don't think Adam McKay has Will Ferrell anymore, but he thinks he's the comedy genius one. And I don't think that he is. Yeah, I didn't like Don't Look Up. I thought it was bland and rough. I don't know. I don't know what the, I, the I, point I of the movie was. And it was always trying to punch you in the face with points. And it didn't really have one. And when movies are, quote unquote, being funny and I don't find them amusing. And literally the way that it was like, great. Yeah, the vapid morning show people don't get it, even though these nerds are trying to tell them. Yep, that's a punishingly sad thing in society. It's a punishingly sad thing. Thank you for reminding me of it without any jokes. But there were jokes about how handsome Leonardo DiCaprio was. Or something. I don't, I just, it was bizarre. It was bizarre to me that all this talent, this is the movie you make? None of those people are comedians. I would make the argument that I think DiCaprio is truly like a dude. DiCaprio is an amazing actor. Mm -hmm. When I met Steve Coogan, he was doing this Q&A thing, and he said he is not a comedian and has never considered himself a comedian. He is an actor. That's a British who, person. He has to downgrade himself no, 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 every no. time hold he on. meets hold, anyone. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> he says he is an actor who does comedic work. Mm. He does funny things. That doesn't mean he's a comedian. That is fair. That is the same thing with DiCaprio. I agree. DiCaprio is an amazing actor. He could do whatever he wants, and if he wants to be funny, he can be funny. When he has... What I'm assuming is a shit script because I haven't seen this. It's pretty. It's bland. not going to be good. This is what I'm saying is like meeting people like this, and it's what I'm saying is like, yep, that's there. It is. That's the world. Got it. It's not a satire. You're just doing how much it sucks. 
Yep. And then calling it a satire because you add a thing where the Earth is going to get hit by a comet, which also was dumb because that's not how that works. I think they desperately wanted to make a movie to teach all of us plebes about now that they're Hollywood megastars, they've figured it out and they're our leaders and they're telling us, you know, things aren't going great. It's like, thanks, pal. Thanks. It felt condescending. There, there's the word. It felt condescending the entire time. It was like, these are jokes because you rubes don't get it. Like, thanks. I get it. Yeah. That was uh, mine. Also, I thought Eternals was bad. I thought it was Captain Planet without Captain Planet. And uh, I don't know what Angelina Jolie is doing. I don't. <laughs> like, as an actor, I have no idea. The blandest stuff. Still, of all of the mega movie stars, the blandest stuff. She just talks in monotone and is in huge movies. I don't get it. But... So now on the negative, what do you say we go to the positive? Nick, what is your number one film for 2021? I can't come back. We're talking about Halloween Kills. Oh, you can do it. I believe we're going to save it for another movie. Another episode, I meant. Um, <laughs> my number one's Licorice Pizza. That's amazing. It's a perfect movie. Like Alex said, we, saw, we went to advanced screening. I talked about it nonstop for about five days to everybody who would listen, people who didn't want to listen, told all the customers i'm like you gotta go see this movie they're like oh cool where's it playing you go nowhere you gotta wait till fucking christmas <laughs> so it was also like a humble brag yeah like we went and saw this we a month did. before it came out fuck yeah yeah sorry dude <laughs> like total fucking douchebag That's 70 millimeter 70 millimeter and then somebody asked what that means and i got to explain it to him wow. while there was a line of people behind them sorry that's... i got to nerd out like plus they don't show movies on film I anymore know, I know. so this was like entire holiday just seeing this movie it was and i've thought about this movie every day since i saw it in theaters Me that too. has not happened since i saw parasite yeah i just really yeah. can't express there's not it, enough words for me I, to say how much i enjoyed this film in kind of the opposite of don't look up to take a story that on paper is so simple right and make it so complex make it so wide and interesting and make this world so fascinating of such a simple story. It's breathtaking. It's an amazing achievement. Yeah. It really is. But also one of these guys directed the master and boogie yeah. nights and there will be blood. Yeah. And the other one directed a Dick Cheney biopic. I know stepbrothers is amazing though. I don't know. It sort of feels like another turn in his career. Yeah. He started off all these ensemble movies and then he turned to, just like these weird narratives. This is still an ensemble movie. He's going back to ensemble movies. Oh, I see. I see. I agree. If you just let me. If you uh, let you finish. Yeah. Mm. I'm terribly sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. But that was it. Yeah. Number one, <laughs> Licorice Pizza. It's amazing. I agree. Yeah. I agree. My number one, I'm surprised it was not on your list. And we've talked about this before if you listen to the show, but the argument of who is the best filmmaker directing movies at least in Hollywood at the moment, Denis Villeneuve made his hyper nerd classic of Frank Herbert's masterpiece novel, Dune, Dune, the spice, the cause And just like Blade Runner 2049, where is he going to be able to pull off this nerd thing that people don't know it? Denny loves these nerd things so much that he cares about them so much that he knocked it the fuck out of the park again, made such a wild action movie, big budget, but still poetic and insane and hyper-violent and magic, and it's it's amazing! And to still throw homage back to the David Lynch one to make the sets and the design of the costumes so elite, and then to have this great cast with Zendaya and... It never feels boring. Anyone who thinks that Dune is boring is already a boring person. They're doomed. I, I thought it was unbelievable. It's my number one. It beat out Licorice Pizza, which I think is amazing. I think The Green Knight is amazing. And I saw Dune with all three of you. I saw Dune three times in the movie theaters. The first time I saw it, some of the explosions that Denny Villeneuve has happened of, of just going from a meatball side, oh, like unbelievable. My mouth actually opened and I realized that my jaw actually opened on some of the action sequences because I've never seen any of this shit before. I've never seen anything like this. And then Oscar Isaac and Skarsgård 
doing his different take of the Baron Harkonnen and Ferguson. I love her stuff, like her being the spooky mom. I thought it was so good. I Dave Bautista. Dave, but I mean, Polka Dot Man. Aquaman is in it, and I didn't hate him in it. And a testament to how great Denny Villeneuve is that he's getting good performances out of fucking Aquaman. I mean, it's unbelievable. Did you like Dune, Nick? He was all right. <laughs> Dune was spectacular. Mm-hmm. Love this movie. It's three hours long, but like when it ended, I was like, where's the rest of the fucking movie? Like I did. I, I know I, the first time we saw it, I checked my phone when I went to the bathroom. I was like, there's only like fucking an hour left. That can't be right. No, I need like, more. I was like, where's the rest? I'm addicted to um, this movie. It is a sight to be seen mm. for Brian's very belated birthday gift. We went to the movies and we saw it because he had to see it in the big screen. Agreed. It just kind of reminds you that Hollywood can make films instead of just popcorn movies. Mm. I cared what happened to Aquaman. Yeah. I cared what happened to Joel, whatever, Edmondson. Like, this Mm. is weird that... And they're both from Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers movies don't make any fucking money. Suicide Squad, <laughs> well, completely Harry bombed. Potter. In yeah, except for Harry Potter. Suicide Squad bombed, but everybody watched it at home. Yeah. Dune made like $400 million. It did. Like, that's great. They're going to make the second half now. Hell yeah. But like, my nipples are hard talking about it. I that's know. all I'm going to say. It's mind-boggling. The reason it didn't make my list, though, mm. is just because I had a more emotional reaction to these other five movies. That's fair. Number six is Dune. It is so hard sci-fi. Timothy Chalamet, he's great in this. He really is. He's fucking really good. He's doing the whole Luke Skywalker thing where he's for the audience. Everyone else around him is amazing. Also, Josh fucking Brolin. Yeah. Can Josh Brolin be in every movie next year? (laughs) For real. He's so fucking good. He wants to be. He's going to try. And like... Just that part where there's the base attack and then he's running out there and he's got like fucking no weapons on him. Yeah. And he just turns back and says, who's with me? And then just fucking charge at an army. <laughs> yeah. Like a fucking bunch of psychos. It's amazing. I agree. I love Denise Villeneuve. Yeah. I've seen all of his movies in theaters since Zucario. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's ever going to fucking change. I don't think so either. He is the spectacle director that Hollywood has that is the true one who actually pulls off the spectacles, who of Spielberg in the 90s, he is the guy who, if his movie comes out, you better go see it. Also, this is called Blockbuster Film School. Yeah. But our list starts at home and then just becomes, both of our lists, Mm. better movie going experiences. Yeah. Like, yeah, agreed. It starts with, oh, I saw this here and then ends up with saw it in the biggest fucking screen possible, saw it in the biggest film format possible. True. As much as streaming is cool and renting movies and trading DVDs and letting Teps have Annihilation and him not watching it and giving back two years later. (laughs) That's great. But I love you. Sorry. Uh, Yes. Going to the cinema will always be the greatest way to see a movie. Agreed. And like not having it for two years was terrible. Yeah. And actually the first time I went back to the movies, I went to the cinema in February, 2020. I didn't go back until I went with Brian. He bought me a ticket to go see Lord of the Rings, which I had not seen uh-huh. until this year. Cause I waited 20 fucking years. Hey, wait, it was, <laughs> turns out it was kind of good. It was, I get it. <laughs> I get why people think it's a big deal, but here's the thing. If I don't watch that, I don't. Orlando Bloom is handsome. Sorry. He is. I've seen his penis on the internet. Um, But that's Please cut that audio out and start the show with it. No, no, no. Lead the show. Yeah, yeah. Lead the show with it. a sound clip. Just like cold open, then the intro, and then the rest of the episode. But if I had seen Lord of the Rings on our TV, which is a very good sized TV, it wouldn't have been the same. If we had watched Dune, on HBO Max or Licorice Pizza here or whatever, it's not the same. Agreed, but I will make this argument that, not argument, but in that same way where I said Green Knight didn't feel exactly the same watching it in my room with the lights on, you know, like the, I watched Dune in the same way again on HBO Max and I still was captivated by it. I still was yeah, it's, caught up in it and I've, I've watched the Green Knight. I watched the Green Knight on my laptop. Yeah. And it's still, 
the same feeling. Yeah. It's just not the same adventure. Agreed. Agreed. But man, yeah, Dune is something else. And I think the element of truly super talented nerds being allowed to make passion projects. Obviously, I've read the book like three times. I was kind of obsessed with it when I was a kid. And I like the David Lynch version. And I like that he is such a nerd that it is an homage not just to the book, but to the David Lynch version. Some of the costumes have homage to David Lynch. The salute that the Atreides do. They don't say what that is in the book. That's from the David Lynch movie. You know, there's a connection in both of these ways that is so wild. And it's still different. It is the Denis Villeneuve version. And it is so precise, I think. Sleek and well-made. Better well-made than any action movie I've seen in a long time. I think everybody needs to go on YouTube. And uh, there's a part where Denis breaks down the scene where Timothy Chalamet puts his uh, dick in a box. Oh, yeah. And just listening to him, (laughs) he breaks down the scene. The video is 16 minutes. The scene itself is six minutes. The lengths that he goes to and talks about each part of this, breaking it down, is amazing. It is a passion project. He said this is the first movie that he's ever made where it wasn't for anybody else. Mm. It was just for the 15-year-old version of him and the version of that movie he saw in his head when he read the book. I get it. In that same way, the cojones to not just do it, but to pull it off so many times. Even the creators of great franchises have gone back and tried to do sequels, (coughs) George Lucas, and they have not worked. You know what I'm saying? They have tried to come back to a franchise or a title that, to make a new version and it has not worked. Robocop, you know, like these things. And just that Villanova is so elite that he himself is like, not only am I going to make this, I'm going to make it fucking better than you could possibly fucking imagine. I'm going to make Blade Runner 2049 so fucking good that there will be no way for you to even bitch at me. Like if you're big Blade Runner nerds, you know, that to do that back to back, that's, Outstanding. I, yeah. it's, and that's yeah. how I'm going to approach my remake of Weekend at Bernie's yeah. with the same audacity that he made these films. Absolutely. That's fabulous. I'm, <laughs> well, everybody, that is our list. Uh, we're going to close it out. I have to toss out just a few titles real quick. I thought the crazy-ass Mortal Kombat movie was actually pretty good. I actually thought that they went into full actual Mortal Kombat mode and there was hyper-violence that was sort of beautiful and well-executed, and I thought it was kind of cool. Also, Ghostbusters Afterlife, I know it is, appears to be a big dividing line in the nerds. I thought those kids were hilarious. It was mostly just the kids. It was Mackenzie Davis and that kid who plays podcast. I thought they were hilarious. I thought they brought back the thing that I like of the original Ghostbusters, that it's hilarious. Like, I thought that as a comedy, it's very funny. And... That's why I liked Ghostbusters Afterlife. I would say those are my top 10, but I just, I had to toss them out. I don't know if there's any other movies that are of- uh, Titan. Oh, interesting. Titan is body horror on another level. Like, it's uh, directed by the same woman who directed Raw, which is another type of body horror film. And um, this woman gets impregnated by her car. And uh, I don't know what else to fucking say. <laughs> Uh, no, it's body horror for how her body changes mm. while she's pregnant. But also, I think the biggest body horror in this movie is the mind because it's more just like, I can't give anything away. Yeah. But it just keeps getting more psychologically fucked up. <laughs> Everything she does. And then just the characters around her and the things they're willing to do to feel complete and how Mm. fucked up they are for that. Interesting. It's a fucking lot. (laughs) It's a lot. It's crazy. Imagine if David Cronenberg was Mm. a French female director. That's what it sounded like. Who gave no single fucks. (laughs) It's amazing. If I was a true nihilist, this would be my number one, (laughs) but I, I have to live my life after this. No, that's fair. And I appreciate that. Yeah, I will watch that. I will watch Titan. I think I, I like the Matrix when they came out. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. fun. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Major, yeah. It was, it was fun. Yeah. This was actually a very good year for movies. Yeah. I think. Oh, also Zola was, was amazing. What? Zola. Oh. Zola is, um, the Don't film. mess with the Zola. Sorry. That's. Wow. <laughs> Zola is the movie that has, uh, Riley. I don't have it in front of me. I don't have any that's names, right. but it's based on a Twitter thing. And they turn into a movie where this woman befriends this other woman and they decide to go to Miami for the weekend to do some dancing and make some money. Wait, and then it turns into a whole other fucking thing. Is it is a very bizarre narrative where it is very straightforward. Is this that Kristen Wiig movie that we watched? No, it is very straightforward, but you feel as confused as the main character. Mm. All the performances are amazing. And then it gets fucking nuts. Okay. And it's really great. And um, Zola? Zola. What? I saw it in theaters. Um, saw the Logan. It was a really bizarre, fun time. After it was over, uh, me and the person who I saw it with, we did not know what we thought about it. And it took a while to sink in, and it's great. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, everybody, these have been our picks here with Blockbuster Phillips School. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for riding with us, you know, Things have been a little discombobulated, but it is. We love you, and we love doing the show. If you want to follow us on Instagram, Nick does an amazing job with the Instagram. Haven't been keeping up with it at all, Don't but thanks worry. anyways. Don't worry. It is still it is our main conduit if you want to hit us up and say hello. We love you guys. I'm Alex Bonner with Nick Souter. I don't love you. Alex saying he loves talk you down. is very nice. Me talk good. But uh, I don't I don't actually love any of you. I don't know you. If I do know you and I love you, that's what? one thing. This is but I'm sentiment. not going to go along with it. I'm crazy. glad you're listening. Also, with Super Producer also, Brian Taps. I don't really feel anything towards most people. That's great. So I don't want you to be let on. Well, everyone, as Nick said, we all love you. We appreciate you. And that's the opposite uh, of what we'll, I said. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Here's the Blockbuster Film School.